We're in a sermon series on the church, the big C, the little C. The big C being the body of Christ throughout the world, the universal church, and the little C being the local gathering of the big C. And that is what is called ecclesiology, the theology of what scripture teaches about the church. There are a lot of misconceptions about the church today and a lot of indictments that are being brought against the church. The church in America is the problem, uh, or so many would say, and they don't even know what the church is. You can even be going to church all your life and not understand what the church is, and so we're digging into that. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures of churches, and before they go up, uh, anybody know where the oldest church in America is? Anybody know the oldest church in America? A lot of people would look out to the East Coast where our nation was founded, so to speak, but it's actually found in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was a mission church there. This is San Miguel Mission in Santa Fe, 1610, when that was planted to bring a seed of faith to this part of the world. There are other famous churches. Let's see if you recognize this next church. Um, Take a look. Does that look familiar? Uh, Think uh, Kevin... Think Home Alone. Are we getting fresher? Are you getting, that's the church Kevin went to in the movie Home Alone. It is Trinity United Methodist Church in New York City. This next church is in our nation's capital. It is a beautiful cathedral called the Washington National Cathedral. And it is a gorgeous, unbelievable campus, a beautiful building. When you go to New York City with us, and I hope every one of you gets a chance to go on one of our trips. As a matter of fact, Drew is talking about making two trips a year now and engaging and investing in our church plants there in New York City. Uh, you will definitely want to see this. It's one of the most populated tourist uh, attractions right down by Rockefeller Center. This is St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it is a glorious, glorious church. And those pictures that I've just showed you are actually churches, not the big C or the little C, but churches of brick and mortar, brick and mortar C's buildings. And so some people have drawn this conclusion that the church are these churches that in this town are on every corner. And that's not the church. Those are just structures. Those are just buildings. There's actually the big C and the little C. I'm going to show you some additional pictures now, not of brick and mortar church, but of big C, little C. And they're all in the same picture. And I'll show you what I mean by that. Take a look at this next one. This is the big C, the body of Christ, serving through the little c, PCBC. What you can't see are four of our deacons inside of that U-Haul truck and that black hole called a U-Haul, all right? Uh, We had a number of men that showed up yesterday morning and spent the whole day helping move one of our moms, and that is the big church serving as the little c. Take a look at the next picture we see in this picture. Again, does that look like the church to you? Well, it should. That is the church right there, the big C and the little C. In this case, it's a group of men who gathered in this very space. I know you don't see tables out today, but that was a men's event. And they gathered together to grow in their relationship with Christ, big C, at this little C called PCBC. Here's the next generation uh, at PCBC. This is the big church and its future. This is uh, one of our pictures from Crazy Summer Nights, our young people and And uh, that group of young people growing in their faith at a little c called PCBC. Next picture is the church. Now, this is what's really cool about this picture of the church. 
Underneath this steeple, there were hundreds and hundreds of people gathered in this place in a little city called Baptist Church. And you know what they did all night long? They danced to a disco ball, to a DJ in a Baptist church. Whoever thought that would ever happen on this planet? And it happened right here because that was the church engaging in its community. That's a picture of the church. Not those buildings you saw earlier, but these pictures. Take a look at this next picture. This next picture, what you'll find is a picture of the church on Mondays at 3 p.m. at PCBC. This is WizKids. Uh, Gerald Deaton will be out in the hallway along with some of their volunteers. And WizKids is a program where the little C can engage in its community at one of the biggest needs that we have in our culture, and that is underperforming students. COVID has certainly heightened that. Uh, our culture has heightened that. Kids are struggling with their uh, reading and other skills. And so whiz kids exist to help them not become the next statistic in our community. The sad thing is today, 40 kids at Wiley Post Elementary have signed up but cannot come on Mondays because we don't have enough of the little C showing up on Mondays. I hope you'll Pray about that, and I hope that you would take that on as a challenge to be the little C for these kids at Wiley Post. Here's another picture of the church. Uh, it may not look like the church to you, but that is the church gathered. Uh, it doesn't have to happen under a steeple. It can happen outside of the steeple. Here we are gathered out on the grounds, and we had a special event, and that was the body of Christ, the big C, encouraging each other, having a great time of fellowship and being challenged to be the little C God has called us to be. The next picture, uh, we got this from the video you just saw. That's our most recent trip. A lot of you in this actual service were a part of this year's New York City mission trip. That's the church. You say, that, which building back? Not the buildings, the people. The people are the church. Take a look at this next picture of the church. Let me tell you about this church. This is Zambia. Uh, this is a place on the planet I've told you about before that the Edwards, who are part of this little sea many years ago, got connected to a vision that God gave them to minister to a slum of a slum. Uh, these people didn't even qualify to live in the slum. They're the slum outside the slum, literally. And it was an abandoned people. It was a people with no hope, with nothing. They were just trying to survive and through the ministry of the Edwards and others who participated in that, it has grown. The campus has grown. There are multiple buildings there now to be able to minister to the people. What's the number 579? Today, all these years later, from people who've invested, the little C being the big C in Zambia, 579 children are getting an education. They're getting meals every day that most of them would go hungry. And because of that light of serving those children, now there are people from all over that community that on Sunday morning today are worshiping on that very campus, have been reached with the gospel, all because the little C showed up in Zambia. Isn't that awesome? Now look at the next picture of the church. Uh, this is John Nandico, who some of you have gotten to know. John uh, came to us from Burundi, the poorest nation in the plant, on the planet. Showed up here in America. Uh, one of the members of this little sea invited him in. He became a part of our international church, and we began to see God alive in him. He was here studying as a pastor. 
We believe that God put us together in that, and we have supported John to become a church planter in North Edmond to African refugees. Now, guys, I grew up in Enid, Oklahoma. I served my first ministry right here at PCBC in Oklahoma City. Never did I ever dream there would be a need for an African refugee church plant in Oklahoma City, Cowtown. And yet today, uh, John is being powerfully used to reach college students who are coming from those African nations and being educated in our city. He's reaching out through Catholic charities and other connections to embrace the refugees that are coming from those African nations. And today, nearly 100 people will gather for worship because the little C cares about the whole world. That is the church. That's what the church is all about. It's not about brick and mortar. It's not about a Sunday morning experience. It's a big C, the universal church, gathering as little C, the local church, to make a difference in all the world. And so as we continue to study what Scripture teaches about the church, you and me, you see the church are the people, not the steeple. As we talk about who we are in Christ, the church, the body of Christ, we're going to dig into Scripture today because God would show you there are true churches and there are false churches. Now, in the culture in which we live, it is harder and harder to understand what is real and what is fake. Students today now, uh, they don't have to write paper. They should. They're supposed to write papers. But did you know that you can have a computer write your paper for you? Now, they'll flag it now. Uh, there's software that now has to look at papers turned in by students to make sure it wasn't written by AI, artificial intelligence. It's crazy what we live with. Uh, I'm the Photoshop generation. They're the AI generation. Photoshop came along, and it was the first form of AI. It took real pictures, and it manufactured them with all kinds of effects to make something look real that isn't real. So actually on Photoshop's website, there is a quiz you can take to see if you can tell the difference between what is real and what is fake. So you're going to take the quiz. I flunked it. I want to see how well you did. Let's see, all right? So watch the picture. Here's your first picture. You have to tell me, is that real or fake? How many say real? How many say fake? All right, that is a real picture, real picture. It looks Photoshop, doesn't it? Uh, that is a real picture. Next picture, quickly. Real or fake? That is real. It looks Photoshop. That is a real picture. Stage to look fake. Next picture. Real or fake? You don't know. You can't tell. It is fake. Now, I want you to know it could be real. There's a guy who literally did that. You may have heard my sermon illustration. He tied weather balloons to his lawn chair, took a gun, a little BB gun in his lap, and he set it free and he floated all the way into the L.A. airport messed up all the air traffic, and almost got shot down. That can happen, but that one is fake. Next picture. Real or fake? <laughs> muscle muscle uh, squirrel, real or fake? That is real. He just happened to grab a pole, uh, or whatever. It's a pole to him. It wouldn't be to you and me. It is real. Now, here's a picture from my daughter's salon. Real or fake? That is fake fake. Although I will tell you, when Cammie and I were dating in high school, uh, she allowed me to do one of those home perm kits. Did you know you can do this? Uh, it's probably not in today. But back in our day, you could do your perm at home, and I did it. And she looked just like that going to our prom, man. It's awesome. I'll bring you the picture one of these days. It can be real. That one is fake. Next one, real or fake? 
how I wish that was real. Wouldn't that be cool to have a Frisbee fetching turtle? That's so cool. That is fake. Next one, real or fake? We're almost done. Real or fake? That is real. That one is real. It looks fake. It is real. Next one, real or fake? That is real. If you look real close, it's a camel hiding behind another camel. It's not photoshopped. Next one, real or fake? I've seen them get close to that. That one is fake. It looks real. It is fake. Next one and the last one is this. Real or fake? Photoshopped or real? Well, what I do know is it's stupid, right? Okay, who does that? Unfortunately, that is real. That is a real picture. Now, it looks photoshopped. You've seen a lot of these things. You can take an image from something, you can merge it into something else and make it something that looks real. And that's what's happened today in our world, and not just our day. It's been happening very, since the very beginning of time. The artificial is hard to tell the difference from the real. So I'm going to give you some other pictures this morning, but they're from Scripture, pictures that help us see what is real and what is fake. You see, if we're not careful, let's start with the big C. We've got the big C, which is the body of Christ. We've got the little C, which are the big C's gathered together locally. Very hard to tell who really is real and who is fake. The big C, who's really a part of the body of Christ. You know, if we had been alive when Jesus was walking on this earth, there would have been a moment, a season in time, where we would have been greatly confused and we would have really drawn the wrong conclusion about who was in the big C and who was not. I give you the example, and we've talked about it before, is the difference between Peter and Judas. Jesus made a statement one time to his disciples. He says, there's one among you who is a devil. Now, if we had been a part of the 12 or if we'd been hanging out with the 12, we would have all raised our hands and said, oh, I know who it is, I know who it is. And who would we have picked? Not Judas. We would have picked Peter. Why? Because we heard Jesus just earlier say, get behind me who? Satan. Obviously, Peter is the planted devil. Obviously, he's the one who's the big problem on the disciples. You know the last guy we would have picked? Judas. I mean, he looked like the big C. I mean, he was the big cheese. He had the treasury. He had all the money that was collected for the ministry of Jesus, and that was entrusted to a guy named Judas. He was the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. And then there was a time where they were all gathered, and a, a vial of alabaster perfume was broken and poured out over Jesus. It was worth a year's worth of wages, the equivalent of tens of thousands of dollars today. And there they were all watching. They were all kind of blown away, first of all, that a woman would approach Jesus and that she would do something that extravagant. And Captain Spiritual, not Peter, Judas spoke up. It's the only time we really hear from Judas except when he betrays Christ. And he speaks up in that moment and he says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is a waste. Why would we do that? We could have sold that and we could have fed so many poor people and we would have been sitting there and we would have gone, oh, wow, he is so spiritual. Man, he loves God and he loves people. Why didn't I think of that? Why wasn't I like Judas? Let me show you something. Let's dig into Scripture real quick. Go to John chapter 12, verse 4. If you have your Bibles, go to John 12, 4. And John is able to set the record straight. What looked like a spiritual man was not a spiritual man. He was not a part of the big C. 
You say, well, he's one of the 12 disciples. Well, he had a role to play. He was, yes, a part of the 12, but he was never a part of Christ. Watch this. Here's what we find out, verse 4 of John chapter 12. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, and he used to pilfer money out of the treasury. Now John didn't see it when it happened, but later at the end of Judas's story, it was clear Judas was not a part of the big C. There are some people who think that he was a disciple. Yeah, he was with a title, but he was not in the heart. Some people think it was a disciple gone bad. Some people think he was a true disciple who lost his salvation. Not true. He was never, ever a genuine part of the big C. How do we know that? There are a couple of things. Um, As we look at it, just because you declare to be a disciple, just because you speak the language of a disciple does not make you a disciple. There are a lot of people who claim to be a Christian. When Cammie started dating me, she asked me, because she was only supposed to date Christians, are you Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian, especially if I get to date you. I got real spiritual real fast. And I claim to be a Christian. I thought everybody in America was a Christian unless you were a demon worshiper. I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian. I declared with my lips that I was. I made a profession that I was a Christian. There are other people who profess that, but that does not mean you're part of the big C. It's not about the profession of our lips. It's about the possession of our hearts. Did you hear what I just said? It's a big difference between what I call lordship, and listen to this clearly, and lipship. I've got to say that clearly. Lordship and lipship. I can say with my lips, oh, I'm a Christian. But if my heart has never been changed, if I've never trusted Christ with my faith, and he isn't my Lord, I'm not a part of the big C. Doesn't matter what a role says. Doesn't matter if you've signed up and become a member of a church. You're not a part of the big C unless you have made him Lord of your life. Acts chapter 1, verse 25. You don't have to turn there. You can listen in. And the disciples were trying to figure out, because Judas hung himself, committed suicide, realized he had done this evil against Jesus, and he hung himself. And now there are 11 disciples, apostles, and they are filling the empty slot, and they prayed. And listen to what they prayed. They prayed, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two you have chosen. There were two candidates They put two in front of the Lord, they cast lots, that's how they were doing it then, and they asked God to reveal who should fill the slot. And they said, Lord, show us who should occupy the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. They understood he didn't go to heaven. They understood that he would spend eternity separated from God in his own place, not the place that Jesus had prepared for his children. And you say, well, was that a true disciple who used to be in the big C but got kicked out of the big C? No, that doesn't happen. Once you're born into the family of God, you're always a part of the family of God. Will God's children make mistakes? Yes. Peter is an example. What was the difference between Peter and Judas? The difference was one placed their heart faith in Christ, 
The other just held a role for Christ. The other one was a treasurer. Peter was a true child of God. How do we know? Because Jesus asked Peter, who do the people say that I am? And Peter and the other disciples responded. And then Jesus put each one of them on point, just like he does you and me. But who do you say that I am? And so every person in this room has to answer that question. Who do you say Jesus is? Was he just a prophet from old? Was he just a good guy that taught us good things about God and created Christianity? Or is he who he said he is, the way, the truth, and the life? You have to decide. Peter responded, and he made a declaration of his faith, yes, with his lips, but it was a reflection of his heart. He said, thou art the son of the living God. He didn't say, you're a rabbi, you're a great teacher. He said, no, I've discovered you are God in the flesh. You are the Messiah. And he faithfully gave his life to the lordship of Jesus. Judas never did that. We know that later because of another verse that comes up in John 17 and verse 12. And Jesus said this. Listen to what Jesus was praying. One of the last prayers Jesus prayed on this planet. He's speaking to the Father. He said, Father, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition. In other words, Jesus said, no one can snatch them out of my hands, those who are true children of God, the big C. But there was one who didn't make it because he was not a part of the big C. He was actually the son, not of the father, but of the God of this world. He's called the son of perdition. I guarded them all, but not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. That word perdition is an interesting word. If you do a a Greek study on that word perdition, it means to be severed or separated from what could have been. See, Judas was around the people of faith. He was familiar with Jesus. He knew that Jesus existed. He just didn't surrender to the lordship of Christ. And when he took his last breath, he went to his own place. Why? Not because Jesus hated him, I mean, Peter betrayed Jesus in his own way that night, just like Judas. But the reality is, those who don't have the Lordship of Christ, they've never had a second birth. They've never been born spiritually, so they cannot live in the presence of an eternal God. It says here, the son of perdition perished. Not because he lost his salvation, but because he was never saved. He was a son of a different father, the devil. And so to be a part of the big C, you have to have a heavenly father. To be a part of the big C, you must have a second birthday. And that's what I prayed for earlier during baby dedication time. That just because you're born into a Christian family isn't going to make you a Christian. Just because you come to church doesn't make you the church. The church is a supernatural reality. The bride of Christ, those who have a relationship with the Christ makes you part of the big C, now gathered up at the little C. We have other examples in Scripture about those who looked like the real thing but were false. John talks about it in 1 John. You don't have time to turn there, but in 1 John 2.19, if you want to write it down, he says, there were those that used to gather with us and they're no longer of us, and it proved that they were never ever of us. Just because they were hanging out here at the little C doesn't mean that they're part of the big C. The church, 
He said, we find that out in the end because they left, they did not endure, they were never the true fruit, and that's how you know in the end. How did John know that Judas wasn't real? He didn't know till the end. They didn't know he was taking money out of the treasury, they discovered that later. The fruit of the root was revealed. Jesus said this, he said, my disciples will be hated because of my name. And the ones that endure to the end are the ones who you know will be saved. Now, there are some people who've looked at that and said, well, if somebody doesn't endure to the end, then they must not be a Christian. Well, there's some truth to that. That's what Jesus preached, but there's, there's a reality to it. Because if you would have looked at Peter's life in that moment, you would have said, uh-oh, Peter must not be a real disciple. He just betrayed Christ three times and even cussed his holy name to his face. No Christian could do that. Peter did. Did he lose his salvation in that moment? No. He experienced the discipline of the Lord. He experienced conviction of God and repentance. And he endured to the end. You know why he endured to the end? Not because Peter got it all right and Peter endured to the end. It's because Christ perfected him to the end. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When you become a part of the big C, you become a part of the family of God. You become a child of God. And as God transforms you, he begins the work of salvation in your life. And then over your lifetime, he is sanctifying you. He is completing you according to Philippians 1.6. Be very careful that you don't let the enemy rob you of whether you are in the big C or the little C. Don't let the enemy convince you you're part of the big C just because you came to church today. But also don't let the enemy rob you and say, well, you must not be a part of the big C because you're not perfect. Well, guess what? Neither was Peter, neither am I, and neither will you be. But let me tell you this. I'm confident, just like Peter was, I am, or Paul was, I'm confident, Paul said, Philippians 1.6, that he, the perfect one, who began a work in me and let me become a part of the big C, the family of God, he will complete me to the end. And so if you are a part of the big C, you will endure to the end. Christ lives in you. The Holy Spirit will complete you. And those who are not in Christ, that will be discovered in the end because they don't walk with Christ because they never knew him. You must be born a second time to be in the big C. And once you are born again, you will endure to the end, not because you're super saint, but because he's a supernatural God. He will complete the work he's begun in you. Just ask Peter. Pretty fascinating. I love this story, and you hear me talk about it a lot because it has ministered to me over the years. There have been times I have doubted, Lord, am I truly a part of the big C? God, if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't have these thoughts, I wouldn't have these struggles. And yet we all do. So what's the difference between a true big C and a false big C? A true big C has conviction. A false big C has condemnation. In Romans 8 it says, we no longer have a spirit of condemnation. We've been set free through Christ. We do have conviction. We will fall short like Peter. But what did Jesus do in Peter's life because of his lordship? He said to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. But Peter, know this. Remember what, what he said? I've already prayed for you. That's the ministry of endurance. That's Jesus 
perfecting and persevering the saints. Peter, know this, I'm praying for you. Did you know Jesus is praying for you? If you are part of the big C, the Lord Jesus is praying over you every minute of every day. The Lord Jesus is watching over you. The Lord Jesus is perfecting you, and he's praying for you. And he said, Peter, you're going to blow it. You're, gonna, you're not going to look like you're part of the big C, but I know you are. I'm praying for you. And yes, you're going to fail me three times tonight. But know this, I've prayed to the Father that when you repent and when you continue on, you will be used in the brethren's life, that you'll be used to strengthen others. And Peter did go through a bad day. He did go through a rebellious moment. He did cave into his flesh. But Jesus saw him through to the very end. If you are part of the big C, the Lord Jesus is doing a big work in your life. If you're not yet a part of the big C, you're just in church today, Jesus invites you. Jesus calls you to himself. No man can come to the Father unless God draws him, unless Jesus draws you. And he is drawing somebody this very moment. It could be online. It might be in this very space. And maybe you've been around it a long time like a Judas who was familiar with Christ, who did church but wasn't a part of the church, the body of Christ. If that's you today, God wants to change that. Who do you say Jesus is?